Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the TF1 podcast. This is your host, Trey. This is the episode French GP review for this past F1 weekend. So let's get right into it. Let's go. So French GP guys, we're back to another race weekend again. It's always nice to be back to another race weekend with a two week gap. So we have the Paul Ricard circuit, you know, coming in as usual. There's always different talking points that we have prior to the race. Uh, this weekend, the upcoming weekend, I should say, you know, prior to the race, one of the main leading talking points was um, everybody was curious on how Mercedes was going to do. So this track has been slated to you know, suit the Mercedes cars. It's a, it's a smooth circuit. They have, they meaning Mercedes have been steadily chipping at, you know, closing the gap between them and Red Bull and Ferrari. So as far back as Silverstone, the British GP, the French GP was kind of circled to be one that suited the Mercedes package. So all of us were curious, like I said, that was one of the main uh, talking points leading in. And when you had the Friday uh, free practice for the cars, one of the things you're seeing from FP1 and FP2 was the the times compared to what Red Bull and Ferrari were setting from the Mercedes were not exactly lighting the timesheets. So it was a little bit of a surprise. They still had, you know, consistent pace and keep in mind for this French GP there were upgrades that came from all the big three so it wasn't just Mercedes it wasn't actually a big update package from Mercedes it was updates that were um, they termed them as mostly invisible to the eye which means they were upgrades that were not Um, like, uh, say, wing change or an engine cover change that you can visibly look at. Sometimes teams will bring changes that are, you know, more internal, that are kind of hard to see with the eyes. So it was those type of minor changes that Mercedes brought. But like I said, the kicker was, well, they're not the only ones bringing upgrades. Red Bull brought updates to their package and so did Ferrari. So With that being in the backdrop, when it came to qualifying on Saturday, so you saw, you know, Leclerc has this season just been sensational when it comes to one lap pace. Um, It's not just him, it's the machinery, you know, the Ferrari seems to this weekend um, really had a little bit of an edge, it it seemed at times over over the Red Bull, you know, that, that, that... Ferrari package seems to be very rapid and the updates that they're bringing to that car, that F-175, you know, it seems to be really working. So their main Achilles heel has been reliability, but as far as the car, it's a really fast package. So qualifying, Leclerc stole the march and he qualified first, then you had Max in second and Sergio in third. Uh, the Mercedes boys actually qualified fourth and fifth. So Lewis was fourth. Lando was fifth. Lando from McLaren did, you know, an outstanding job and he actually split the Mercedes. So you had a nice lineup going to the race on Sunday. Uh, we kind of knew 
when you looked at the, you know, fantastic effort from Lando to split the Mercedes, it's one of those things we've seen time and time again. You knew when it came to race pace, actually, uh, the the McLaren doesn't have anything close to the Mercedes pace. And actually, this season, um, it's always been the case that for some odd reason, you know, in qualifying, the Mercedes package still hasn't been able to extract 100%, but their race pace of the car has always been much better on Sundays. And, you know, that package is actually getting stronger and getting closer to as I said at the beginning, to Red Bull and Ferrari. So in the back of your mind, you know, you can, like I said, tell that, hey, yeah, the qualifying wasn't, you know, absolutely the greatest, but hopefully they can make amends on Sunday. And boy, did they make amends. But let's get right into it, right? So we have the race and um, pretty fast, you can see that Leclerc had a really good getaway. Another person that had a fantastic start was Hamilton. So he was able to leapfrog Sergio Perez very fast and he went ahead and slotted in third. And so you had the race ensuing Max Verstappen right behind Leclerc. And, you know, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, okay, well, the Red Bull has the Red Bulls, you can tell with that Honda engine, have had really outstanding straight line speed you know even though the ferrari is fast the ferrari seem to have possibly a little bit of an edge in the downforce area but the 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 outright speed the the outright speed that the red bulls had you just wanted to see how that was going to materialize and go against the battle between leclerc and verstappen and how that's going to play out as the race is going on so once you're reaching, um, we're coming up on lap 18. Now, at this point, there was no pressure behind Leclerc. He has Max Verstappen squarely behind him. And Max Verstappen and the team decided they're going to do an early pit stop. And what they're banking on is that they're going to do an undercut uh, later on down the line in the race. So as they were doing that um, in this was lap 18, you suddenly, I mean, you know, it was kind of a processional race up to that point. And there was an incident that was a jolt to all of us watching the race. It was almost like a wake up call. It just, you know, kind of brought utter shock to everybody because you see Leclerc, the camera had to span and find him. <coughs> Excuse me. And Leclerc has a crash and he's in the barriers and it was a really weird thing to watch because you know it was at the part of the track that you know you would not expect you know a driver of his caliber or any caliber in f1 for that matter to lose control and you're hearing the radio uh, responses that he's having with the team and at one point and all, you know, all of his message wasn't audible, but you heard throttle mixed in. He was telling the team something on the world feed about throttle. And then you just heard like a debilitating scream come from Charles Leclerc. And you just absolutely, I mean, 
it, you just felt gutted for him. You know, again, Ferrari doesn't have to be your team, but for almost inex inexplicably no reason. And again, at the time, because he mentioned throttle, a lot of us watching the race thought, oh my God, not again, where Ferrari reliability and the throttle being stuck because he had that issue in Austria <clears throat> and he had to nurse the car. You're immediately thinking not another throttle related issue that has, you know, basically made Leclerc crash out of the race and he was leading the race. And you know, between the scream that he had, you just, you really, really felt gutted because now, you know, he was making an attempt. Of course, we later, later find out, found out, we didn't know at the time, but Leclerc was actually trying to reverse, but the way his car was stuck and the speed that he had, he wasn't able to do that. So you just had a major shift and yet another, another challenging situation happened to Ferrari and it seems like I said every race you know even with Ferrari having this fast package it seems like between strategy between reliability or between a mistake with one of their drivers which I'll get into in detail it just seems to be that Ferrari continue to have issues and so that was like I said what was going on behind um in our minds when we saw it just because we heard the 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 throttle world word we weren't sure if he had a mechanical issue meaning uh leclerc charles leclerc so as the race is continuing so now you have max verstappen in the lead he's comfortably in the lead no issues whatsoever now charles leclerc's teammate carlos signs Carlos had tremendous pace on Saturday during qualifying and everything, but what the team had to do, Ferrari, because they have now, with all the reliability issues they've been having on the car, Carlos has gone through the designated uh, amount of engines and parts to have for the season. So because they had to fit him with new parts, he was starting from the back of the grid and working his way up and he was doing a good job. He was he was coming up and so you had the mistake like i said with leclerc crashing out now signs is battling up trying to you know make up places and he's doing a good job of that so meanwhile that's going on and i'll you know like i said i'll get to the race ending uh you know results that we had you had the mercedes boys lewis and Russell, they're making really good progress working up the field now that Leclerc is out. Of course, that bumped Lewis up one more position. So they're doing a very good race. You know, Russell had um, a coming together with Sergio Perez. And this is before even their battle that they had towards the end, which which was a fascinating you know, a uh, piece of racing and awareness by Russell that we'll talk about. But so you have different aspects of the race. Now that Leclerc is out, like I said, you have Red Bull in the driver's seat and you have those chess pieces that are happening. Now, when I mentioned Mercedes boys and Lewis and Russell, 
one thing we have to keep in mind, speaking of, you know, big items coming into this French GP race for Lewis Hamilton, this was his 300th F1 start. Now put that into perspective. That is just such an amazing number. That is 300th F1 start. So you just have to commend uh, what an absolutely legendary number that is, what kind of consistency that Lewis Hamilton has had all these years, all these championships, seven championships. Um, you know, it's tremendous. And when you looked at when you look at, you know, coming into this race, like I said, and the expectation of Mercedes. Now, keep in mind, even though he's now second in in position and holding on and he's in good shape. It's also something we have to keep in mind that when qualifying was happening, Hamilton and Russell just at overall as a package, Mercedes was still lacking, um, especially in qualifying trim behind Red Bull and Ferrari. In fact, the difference in pole time between Hamilton and Leclerc, who was a pole sitter, Hamilton was eight tenths off a second. Okay. Um, in F1 terms, that is not a small gap. That is, you know, that's a pretty significant amount of time. So, you know, that just lets you know, even though the results of this race were very favorable and Mercedes absolutely, absolutely maximized. And like I said, that's a topic I'll get into in detail. In On pure pace, there's still... A little bit behind, especially in qualifying, but also in race stream, they are behind uh, Red Bull and Ferrari. Okay, so now the the incident with Charles Leclerc, you know, making a mistake. We later we later on find out that while most of us thought it was a technical issue, like I mentioned with the throttle, um, Leclerc clarified you know, when he gave his interview that, no, this is actually a mistake that I did. You know, I take full responsibility of it. I simply lost the back of the car, you know? And so to lose, you know, 25 points that way. And one thing I've always, always admired about this young man, Leclerc is, and I I don't know if I've ever come across a driver that when he makes a mistake, he just, you know, absolutely takes complete ownership of his mistake. He admits it a hundred percent. Most drivers will never do that if it's a mistake they've made. And, you know, there's a lot of honest drivers out there. Lewis Hamilton is one of them. Um, he's also another driver that puts up his hands if there's an error and immediately comes on the radio and apologizes to the team. So, They're very similar in that respect, but the level that Leclerc goes, basically in the interviews after the race, one of the lines, one of the taglines that he said was, he said, if I continue to do what I've done, and he said, I lost 25 points in this race. If I continue to do the the mistakes that I've done, I don't deserve to be the championship, uh, to be the champion. Those were his exact words. And, you know, that's incredibly not only just mature, but very introspective for him to to take that type of responsibility and blame and, and shine the light on him. That's not easy to do. So I really admire Leclerc for that. Um, 
you know, you can almost say, and you go back to the scream that he had on the radio to his team, just out of pure anger and frustration. This could be this loss that he had from the start. Imagine leading that's 25 points that you threw away. And that wasn't the only factor. The, the other major disadvantage is not only did you unfortunately throw 25 points away, but your closest competitor Verstappen was the one who was actually in second to capitalize on your mistake. So even the few days that, you know, uh, Max has had bad issues, whether it be racing, whether it be something wrong with his car, at least, you know, it hasn't been where he's lost a whole 25 points. He, he has been able to at least finish and collect some points. So the damage is not as major as it is. So because of this, you know, incredibly unfortunate mistake, now Max has a lead of 63 points over Leclerc, 63 guys. So it's almost like, you know, even if Ferrari for some reason have the fastest package, if um, Max comes in second in some of these races, he still has such a major buffer in points that it's not even going to make a difference. That was how costly this past Sunday was. Now, in the constructors, Red Bull also seemed to be in control. So they have now an 82-point advantage to the next team. And, you know, Ferrari is bleeding points badly. And unfortunately for them, it's not just the Red Bull factor, but I just mentioned it. Mercedes are not only capitalizing and they finished this race, you know, they were uh, amazing enough to have a double podium with Hamilton and Russell. And again, I'll, I'll get into how Russell was able to wrestle away third podium position from Sergio Perez. But the consistency that Mercedes has, even, you know, with their car being a little off the pace and not having the pace that the Red Bull and Ferrari have, their drivers have done such a fantastic job to be consistent. And so, you know, with Lewis's 300th F1 start for him to be on the podium in second and you know at times he had pressure from Sergio uh, Sergio Perez and you know trying to utilize his DRS but you know Mercedes and Hamilton were smart enough to basically make sure they control the pace and not allow Sergio to overtake him so you know fantastic result for Mercedes coming back to Ferrari what I was saying earlier You just had, unfortunately, just a cascade of errors that happened yet again on Ferrari's side. So let's look at what happened. So Carlos Sainz's car, he had a pit stop was where Carlos Sainz was in there. And what happened was on the right hand side, they had an issue where it was slow pit stop. They they put the tires a little bit late. And what they then do is... I guess in their hurry to get him back out, they do an unsafe release and get Carlos out. And what happened was Albon, who was right behind him, literally had to slam on his brakes to avoid crashing into Carlos' sides. They should have never released him. You know, they didn't have the the, the 
a good stop in the pit stop. So they lost time there. And on top of that, they did an unsafe release. So, of course, just like the rest of us, the FIA is monitoring everything. They see the un unsafe release. And now a five second penalty is added on to Carlos Sainz. You know, so as if you didn't have enough problems, as if one of your drivers isn't out of the race, now you have a five second penalty. Well, the errors don't stop there, guys. So stick with me here. This is nothing against the Ferrari team, Ferrari drivers, or, you know, I, I, we, I have a really um, huge Ferrari fan in, in my, my group of friends for F1. <laughs> we have... Uh, we have a huge F1 fan, uh, excuse me, Ferrari fan. And, uh, you know, it's getting to a point sometimes we don't even hear from him until after the race in our chat group because he needs time to absorb, possibly meditate, possibly do yoga, whatever you need to do to take your blood pressure down. It seems like this team, the Ferrari team, which has built an incredibly fast car, they seem to have blunders every single race. So they do the unsafe release. Now, the mistakes don't stop there. The, the team comes on the radio and they mistakenly tell signs. And, and most of us, or maybe some observers caught that. I didn't, and most of us didn't. This is information that I found out after the race. They let him know that he has a five-second stop and go. Well, here's the problem. There's actually no reprimand that exists. That's a five second stop and go. It's just a five second penalty. So when you change the tires, he could have served it at that point. You know, so it was an error on their part. There's actually no five second stop and go. That reprimand actually does not even exist. So they they even made an error in reporting that to signs. Well, it doesn't end there. So when Sergio was, uh, excuse me, when Sainz, who's been doing a very good job, again, mind you, Sainz has been fighting from the back of the grid, as I told you guys at the beginning, because of the engine penalty that he has, right? So with the pace of the car, the fresh engine is brand new, like I said, because they have to change the components. He has been fighting up the grid. He's been doing a fantastic job. There's a moment in the race where he's literally in a battle with Sergio Perez, okay? And this is for third position. And as that is happening, the team comes on the radio and says they're asking him to come into the pits. So two things immediately that, that just hit on me, uh, that, that, that just came to me. First off, like... Like everyone else sitting in our living rooms and watching the race, the team has a live feed they're watching. In the middle of all the things F1 drivers have to do, especially when you're trying to pass and battle another driver, you know, there's so many things you have to activate on the steering wheel. You come on the radio at that moment, he's actually in a battle. So, that just lets you know in the pit wall, are, are you guys not looking at the screen? Are you not paying attention? Why interrupt him while he's in the heat of battle with Sergio Perez? And he actually made the, the pass happen. Now you're asking him to come in. And as he's done multiple times this season, signs, you know, as a one-man person in the cockpit, 
actually seems to almost have a better tactical decision-making process than the entire pit wall. It really seems that way sometimes with Ferrari. He said, not now, not now, not now. And he's telling them that while he's in the middle of a battle. And, and so, again, I'm, I'm not trying to be overly critical. I am just bringing to you guys what I observed during the race weekends. You know, um, if Red Bull was doing that, if Mercedes was doing that, Alpine, it doesn't matter. I, I would be pointing out the things that we observe as F1 fans that love the sport. And first off, like I said, the timing couldn't have been worse because you should have let him finish that battle. That's the first thing. Second thing, this man has made it signs, has made it all the way from the back and is battling for third, is battling for a podium. And now you're asking him to come in. It just, listen, I'm not an F1 strategy guy. I'm not an F1 engineer, but that did not seem to be the right decision because that seems like you're sacrificing a podium. And by, by the time the race finishes, well, that assessment would actually prove to be correct because guess what, guys? Science came in fifth. He, didn't, he was not on the podium. He was not third. The fact that they had him come to the pits actually cost him, and he ended up being fifth. So Benito, the leader uh, of Ferrari, was asked, which was, you know, of course you're going to be questioned and asked why that decision has been made. And the way Benito protected that decision was that they could see that he had significant tire issues and they needed to get him in. Of course, he had to serve the penalty that the time five second penalty also, but that's what he mentioned. Now, the facts are Sainz definitely had a blister on one of his tires. That That's a fact. That, that's not anything that's made up. But the other fact of the situation is you could have still <laughs> timed it better for Sainz to come in without it costing you a podium position and you taking care of the tire issue. It's just as a team collectively from the principle of tactics Ferrari yet again has cost themselves and shot themselves in the foot. And again, I gave you guys the difference of Max leading the the championship, but I also pointed out the in the constructors um, race, the advantage that Red Bull has now has ballooned to 82 points, guys. And decisions like that that was made on Sunday this past Sunday that cost Sergio um, that cost um, that cost Carlos Sainz excuse me they're not only costing the drivers and the points they're getting but that's also costing Ferrari as a constructor because what is happening is a team like Mercedes keeps on maximizing and they keep on, you know, if you look at, again, the French GP, and I'm going to get to how Russell was able to wrestle, uh, wrestle away third position from Perez, even though they don't have the outright race as a tactical decision maker and the drivers, you see both 
Hamilton and Russell give 110%. And it's not just that, guys. It's the thing that you also have to keep in mind. And I've been pointing this to you guys out now for pretty much almost every race. Look at all the reliability issues that Ferrari is suffering. And, you know, even early part of the season, Red Bull has had significant reliability um, concerns. But they've, you know, it's been better now. They haven't had one recently, but they're not totally out of the woods. But Mercedes so far have been extremely reliable. They may not have the fastest package, but you have to say it. And I always say this. It's incredibly hard in F1. You're building a machine that has a thousand parts that are interconnected. You're talking about the most complicated engine in any racing series. And to have that package every single race under, you know, full power, under temperatures that are punishing for machines. It was incredibly hot in France this weekend. You can tell that, you know, that affects the tires, that affects the body of these cars, you know. Those temperatures, especially Europe, has had, you know, uh, a heat wave going on. So, of course, in France, it was extremely hot. You know, that's that affects these machines that affects their engines, that affects the, the tire degradation. So Mercedes has had fantastic reliability. And so you combine that with the way the team is operating and they continue to maximize. So the race results we had were Max, of course, finished first. Then you had Hamilton and Russell. And this is, by the way, the first podium, double finish podium that Hamilton and Russell have had in this early pairing that they've had. Keep in mind, of course, what a reward for Lewis, who's doing his historical 300th F1 start. So you combine that. Now, let's get to the part where I said, so Perez, who, you know, of course, has a speed differential over Russell. They had a little tussle at the beginning of the race. What was happening was there was a restart that was happening after a safety car period. OK, so Russell is behind Sergio Perez. And what happens is once the VSC, meaning the virtual safety car time ends, although Sergio Perez wasn't aware. Russell behind him just absolutely times it perfectly. And he accelerates past Sergio Perez, who was not expecting that. So once he made the pass stick, and again, this is just, this is a testament to how sharp Russell is in that Mercedes and how much he's paying attention and how he knows the rules. So once he got a jump on Sergio Perez, now, mind you, again, the, the, the Red Bull has the advantage in pace, but strategically, the way he was positioning the car, that is Russell and the Mercedes, he was able to keep that position and defend. And, you know, Sergio was trying to come aggressively at him. Not only was he, he not only was Sergio doing that, you know, for those of you who watched the race, Sergio was also on the radio complaining, saying he was out of bounds. It, it it just was a very, very poor showing from Sergio throughout the whole weekend, not just that Sunday. He did not have a good weekend at all. There was a lot of complaining um, when he was be behind Russell because he was not able to beat him on the track. He was getting on the radio saying he's out of bounds. He was just trying everything 
because he was not able to gain that third position back. And so Russell did an outstanding, fantastic job. And that's how he was able to leapfrog uh, Perez and get that final podium position. So, you know, it was an outstanding weekend, as I said, for Mercedes to get that double podium. You know, that it is bringing the constructors total also right up at the front and you know this team as i mentioned past weekends and even now they are steadily understanding their car more as as we said of course there was there was more expected from the car this weekend that didn't necessarily materialize but they are still getting the maximum out of this car so it's just an amazing achievement to do the double podium you know Verstappen, you just have to tip your cap off at the level of driving he's doing because he's really not making mistakes. And that's the difference with a driver like Charles Leclerc, who has fantastic pace. You know, you, you all you have to do is look at the poles that he's grabbed this season and he's operating at a very high level. But when you're operating at this high level and you have a car that's pretty fast. Obviously, we know that the car has very significant reliability issues and it seems to afflict, um, you know, Ferrari almost every weekend. You re- literally have to cross your fingers and because you do not know if one of the Ferrari cars, if one of the red cars are going to finish. You, you absolutely do not know. But one thing is for certain, they do have a very fast car. And mistakes like the one Leclerc did that is just very very costly and as Leclerc himself said in the interviews as I mentioned to you guys he's brutally honest with himself but you cannot afford right now even the difference in points that he you know they have between him and Max Verstappen as I mentioned unless some kind of reliability issue happens to Red Bull and Max I mean, you have to say that mistake that he did, meaning Charles Leclerc, boy, between that and the screen that he had, which is just, you feel gutted for him when you, when you hear him scream in utter disgust and just anger at himself. This is going to be season defining. And, you know, hey, let's keep it in perspective. It's still early. There's still a lot of races to go. Uh, You do not know what's going to happen if maybe down the line, maybe Max has an issue with his car and Leclerc finishes um, in the top step. Yeah, things can happen. But this past weekend, losing that 25 points the way he did, um, Ferrari and Leclerc just made life very hard for each other. They made very hard for each other. So you're just going to have to see how we are going to have to see how the rest of the races play out. What happens with strategy because Ferrari keep on shooting themselves in the foot. We just have to see how that plays out. But down the line, you have to, um, you know, give a little credence to Alpine who keep on making improvements boy you can just tell between fernando who by the way had another fantastic start during this race uh between alcon and himself alpine is making amends and mclaren have to watch out you know they've made improvements they did bring upgrades and lando 
you know, unfortunately, unlike Ricardo, who keeps on struggling, um, Lando keeps on getting the maximum out of this package. But you have to say right now, the momentum with it is with Alpine and their drivers. And that package seems to be coming along. So we have to watch. That's going to be a very interesting battle that plays itself out. Speaking of McLaren, before we even conclude the podcast, one thing I want to mention is there is, as I've mentioned, trouble growing with Ricardo. Now, Ricardo made a statement before this French GP. The statement was essentially saying, hey, I do have a contract with McLaren uh, next year. I, you know, I'm going to be seeing that that uh, that that year and that contract out. I'm not retiring early. It was almost like he was making a public uh, declaration that he's going to be with this team. And that's a very, very unusual thing to see from a driver. He almost did it independent of the team because there's been a lot of rumors swirling around that um, he may be replaced. And and to be honest, he's really underperformed, uh, you know, very significantly the past two years. And they're they're paying him a very, very significant amount of money. So you cannot even blame McLaren, but they have been testing out different drivers uh, from the Indy series, from the junior category McLaren have. And of course, the rumors are swirling that these are potential, possibly potential replacements of Ricardo. We don't know what's going to happen, but there's definitely trouble brewing there. So watch that space. I'll monitor it and we will monitor it. And um, when there's a development, of course, I'll get back to you guys, but that's, that's something that's significant. So, but yeah, so a very interesting finish to the race, um, that we had for the French GP. So, uh, we have another race coming up in a week, but this concludes the French GP TF1 podcast. So as always, I thank you guys for your support from every part of the globe. Keep on supporting looking at the TF1 podcast uh, Twitter website. And I will see you guys very soon with the upcoming podcast for the next race. Okay. You guys take care. Bye-bye.